So hello, everyone. <laughs> a lot of familiar faces. I've seen a lot of you before. I'm uh, Gloria Ambrosia, also known as Tarania, my, my Pali name. And really looking forward to uh, being here with you this week. I, I'll be here tonight and uh, oh, tomorrow night for your wonderful ceremony <laughs> or program and Sunday morning. And uh, I'd like to try to get here, you know, once or twice a year if I can. Last year I had, a good, I had the good fortune of being here for the whole month of July, which was lovely. So good to be here again. I'm just t- trying to tune in and think about what might be useful tonight. Um, uh, for myself, I find it really helpful to talk about the meditation practice itself a lot. Um, I think what I've seen over the years, certainly in myself and certainly in the people that I talk to, is that um, you know we tend to get a definition or like a, a model or a prescription of the meditation practice maybe even from our first meditation class or our first meditation retreat, and um, our understanding of what it is that we're doing and how we're doing it and why we're doing it and what it affects over time, can, it can sometimes just remain pretty static. It's like we're not really tuning into what it is, how it is that we're growing in our understanding and, um, you know, reapplying that and sort of tweaking the meditation practice. And I don't know about you, but for, for me, it was, it, well, it's still very much in process, but certainly for the first five, even seven years of meditation, you know, there would still be so many times where I'd be going, now, now what am I doing, you know, <laughs> and, and how, what am, where am I supposed to be and how am I supposed to be doing this, you know. And so I think it's really good just to keep an ongoing dialogue um, with your teachers and with your meditation companions and, and just keep talking about your understanding of how, how you're coming to see mindfulness, concentration, you know, what, what the, the four foundations of mindfulness are and what these, uh, what you're noticing, um, as a, as an effect or an outcome of your practice over time. So I just wanted to offer some thoughts and, and uh, hopefully we'll have some time for a little discussion about this as well. Uh, I say hopefully because I can go on sometimes. <laughs> I get I get excited and I get too caught up in it, <laughs> and then I don't leave enough time. So I'll try to be be more uh, careful tonight. Um, so let's just start with the whole idea of mindfulness and concentration. Uh, I, I have found myself that uh, I've I've actually started to try to to avoid these words because I've gotten so entrenched in my mind and my understanding as to what they are. And I think this is quite common because what we tend to do, the nature of our minds is such that we hold things conceptually. We hold things in the abstract. So we get an idea about what mindfulness is. We get an idea about concentration. And then we don't realize that we're actually living the meditation in that idea and not actually having a direct experience of what it is that we're even talking about. You know, so I really want to invite you to look at this. I, I, I've stopped using those words and actually have, have tried instead to go to the experience of what it is that I'm trying to affect as a meditator and, and find the word that fits that. It might be mindfulness. It might be concentration. But for instance, this sense of, of concentration is really, it's really like a, a settling. You know, a sense of ease, a sense of tranquility, 
You know, can you feel that? It's like that, that, that experience. Remember, the practice is directly experiential. So it's this experience of dropping out of all of the stuff that the mind keeps picking up and, and settling. It's like, you know, I feel it sometimes it's like dust settling out of the air or like, you know, the fish food in the fish tank as it kind of floats on down, you know. There's a, you know, are you feeling that? Do you have a sense of that as you sit here on the cushion? Is that what you uh, attempt to establish as you begin your meditation practice? And is that what you're endeavoring to sustain and recollect throughout the course of the day? It's like a, I feel almost like an exhale. You know, it's not an inhale. It's it's a it's a release. It's a letting go. So you know, can you can you feel that? It's tranquility. It's ease. It's a sense of being settled. But you know, if you hold that conceptually, like concentration, <laughs> I've got to get concentrated. <laughs> what does that do to your mind? You know, it's like it does just the opposite of what it is that we're trying to affect. You know, you get all tight. It's like. For, for many months, maybe even years in my meditation practice, that's what it would be like, you know, it'd be like this, um, you know, get, get concentrated and get this big headache, you know, you get this tight, tight, constricted feeling in your forehead and your shoulders get all hunched, you know, and, and, uh, and that's absolutely not what we're going for. So, uh, just endeavor to have a sense of the experience of this rather than our idea about that, what that is. And then mindfulness is the, is the, is in that space, you know, in that settled and relaxed space. You know, what's happening? It's far out. You know, just look and see. It's like, when you get settled, there's automatically an alertness that occurs. And, and, and it's, it's like there's, there's something that's knowing. It's like, oh, I, you know, you get this kind of thing, you know. Oh, I know what's going on. I, I feel it. I can see it. I'm aware. I'm aware. You know, there's, and you, 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 that becomes much more a brighter function in the mind. I mean, it's possible to get settled and not have that. You know, so, so look and see. Um, but settled with a sense of, Alertness, awareness, whatever you, whatever you want to call it, mindfulness, knowing, seeing clearly, you know. But these, the effort is to get these two things going and to kind of fan the flame of them in your, certainly in your formal practice. That's what we're doing in the formal practice is saying, you know, this is a time I'm going to set aside to really try to really um, folk, you know, focus on that and give it some juice, give it some energy. Um, but all the time, really, not just you know, my uh, meditation practice is 24/7. You know, it's, it's, it's see if you can get uh, a sense of that as much as possible throughout the course of the day. And certainly, when things are very disoriented and scattered, you know, they, these become a refuge, don't they? You know, ease and. Uh, and, and awareness become quite a refuge from that kind of um, activity in the mind that that get that is actually constitutes our suffering. So, you know, just tuning in and getting a sense of that, 
And and just one more point on this. I think it's it's important. Um, Ajahn Chah used to emphasize this a lot in his talks, in his teachings, that um, there we, we seem to have gotten caught somewhere along the line in like an artificial separation between these two. Like that there's there's concentration practices and then there's mindfulness practices. And yes, there are practices that you do where you really endeavor to uh, fine-tune the very absorbed states. But if you're an insight meditator, or when you're doing insight meditation, that's not what you're doing, you know. And and so these are going hand in hand, this sense of ease and the sense of knowing what's happening. And I think what happens is that you know the Buddha was just such a brilliant teacher. It's just it's, it, we're so fortunate to have this body of teachings uh, that come from him. He was very skilled, and you know, one of the forms that that takes is, you know, he put things together in neat little packages a lot, didn't he? You know, the four of these, the three of these, the two of that, and that really makes it easy to remember. But he even said himself that this is, this is for the sake of understanding in an intellectual way um, what it is that he's trying to communicate. But that experientially, you know, it's not quite, it's not that static, it's not that categorical, you know. So I think that that's true even of this um, uh, the, this uh, definition of the meditation practice as, as mindfulness and concentration or ease and awareness. The, these, these really go very much hand in hand. When you, when you're, you look at your experience and you'll see. You know, try to separate them out one from the other. They're, they're right there together, right? So uh, just getting clear uh, on our understanding of what it is that we're talking about. You want to use the use our head, use our noggin to understand, but um, that is much more as a tool to help us to know what we're experiencing and tweak that experience, you know going back and forth between intellect and experience. Okay, so you get a, get a sense of that. And that, that's one thing that uh, might be helpful. Um, really, too, I think that uh, sometimes this sense of ease can be understated. I, I, um, the importance of it can be understated and missed. You know, that really, I've often had the feeling that if you do nothing else in your formal practice, but just sit here, and every time you notice that you're contracted and tight, just kind of loosen up and relax, you know, breathing deeper, throwing the shoulders back, expanding the chest, just opening up, that your time would be very well spent. Because this, this, uh, not, not much happens without this sense of ease. Without even just, without, you don't need that much of it, but you need, uh, you need some. You need to be relaxed. Because the mind is so prone to pick things up and to go off to things and get completely lost in the body, in feelings, in its own thoughts, right? I mean, you could sit here, Come on, let's be honest. We can sit here for the whole meditation practice, like you know, just kind of off in la la land. You know, it's uh, it's very easy to do, and that tendency is very strong. So this sense of being settled and relaxed 
um, creates an, an environment, a context in which that is less likely to happen. You know, so not to underestimate or understate the importance of um, this experience. So just keep endeavoring, even if it takes years, to get a sense of what it is we're talking about and a direct experience of it. And you'll find that, you know, as this grows, it has a powerful effect on us in our lives. We're very, we become a lot more relaxed, <laughs> a lot more happy. And um, th- that out of that state, you can receive just about anything, you know. And life has its knocks, you know, it has its jabs. And uh, where are you going to find the staying power to be with what presents itself? You know, it comes out of cultivating just this kind of uh, state. Can you feel that? Very, very important. So then we have this, um, uh, what it is that we pay attention to. And here again, we see, we see the, the brilliance of the Buddha. You know, he, he's uh, giving a, given us these four foundations of mindfulness where, um, you know, he, he's, he's saying, I mean, it, it seems so elementary at one level. Notice that your experience includes sensation, includes things going on with the body. It's, it includes feeling, the experience of things as pleasant and unpleasant. And it includes um, thought, mental activity, the mind. So these are the first three foundations of mindfulness. And, you know, it, it, as I said, it sounds, it can see, seem elementary. He's saying, you know, what are you going to pay attention to? Well, pay attention to these. And, uh, but the thing is, we, there's, there's, a, there's a sense for, for us that there, there's more to it than that, that there's more going on than that. And, and yet there isn't. It's just from one moment to the next, it's all just sensation, feeling, and thought. You know, but what what we do with that, what the mind does with that, is what we get caught up in. And so, what he's do, what he's endeavoring to do in this instruction is to to simplify that and to begin and to facilitate a process of pulling us out of all of the stuff that the mind does with sensation, feeling, and thought, and just notice. Now there's a sound. Now there's a feeling. Now there's a, a physical sensation. Now there's a thought. Th- this is incredibly profound, <laughs> you know, because it's all a muddle in there. We're very confused. It's like we're relating to the body out of the head. We're relating to the head out of the body, and and all the the, the, the levels of experience are co- completely caught up in each other. So he's saying, see the body as the body. See feeling simply as feeling. See thought. See the various states of mind that you get caught in simply as that. And that's what you're doing a lot. You know, you may, for those of you who may have learned mental noting or whatever tool you use, you know, you're endeavoring to sit here in meditation and notice that that's just what's happening, aren't you? Just that's, that's what's going on right now. There's a thought, there's a feeling. There's a sensation. Now that, in and of itself, doesn't sound like a whole mo- lot. It, it, it is, but it's very important. It's foundational. It's not ultimately where the meditation practice leaves, leaves us, 
but it's a start. Because what's going what's gonna to happen as you're looking at the mind in that way? You know, little by little, it's like in the beginning, it's more like withdrawing out of a lot of the proliferation of the mind so that you can just see things simply like this. So a lot of the practice is just going, oh, you know, it's not all this, 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 this. It's just a thought. It's not all this, this, this. I'm just experiencing this as something unpleasant, you know. So there's a, there's like a withdrawing out of a lot of the mental um, gibberish that goes on in the mind and just um, simplifying the moment, simplifying the experience. But gradually that matures and it's not just a withdrawing. There's The mind is really beginning to see things more clearly and there's a natural detachment that begins to develop. You know, you, you don't, it's like you might see angry states, but not get caught up in them, right? You might, you might see jealousy. Uh, and now you're beginning to go, oh, oh, that's jealousy. This is radically different than being jealous. You know, can you feel that? So, so it's like this, this, uh, pulling out for a period of time and for every everybody it's different you know how long how long do i have to keep doing this before i start to put it together you know before it takes a leap to another level but it does and it will it, it reaches a critical mass the mind uh, it, by disengaging by not getting caught up in its own creations gradually begins to position itself differently in relation to those, doesn't it? It's just, it just starts to go, oh, <laughs> oh, that's interesting. You know, I keep, look at that, look at what I do. Look at what I keep doing. I keep getting caught up in that. Every time I get caught up in that, I get a stomach ache or a headache or, you know, I, you know, I get, I'm lost for a day or a couple of days, you know, depression, anger, hatred, you know, lust. How many hours have we spent lusting in our minds after things, you know? But but gradually through the months and years of practice, you start to notice these phenomenologically, you know? It's like this is a phenomenon. This is an arisen phenomenon. It's, It's not who I am. You know, something, something different is happening, isn't it? You know, you, you've got a different relationship going. And this is when, this is getting great now. You know, this is when it's really getting juicy, uh, getting interesting. Because now it's like the mind is going, well, well, what is hatred? You know? What is this, this mood that I keep finding myself in? You know, it's a dominant mood. I've been in this mood for 37 years, you know. It's like, <laughs> what is this thing anyway, you know? <laughs> could I, could I get, you know, if I could just get out of it enough to, to get some uh, perspective, then I can begin to understand it, you know, begin to have a different, uh, uh, way of relating to it. And then from this position, here's where it's really the, the shift the shift is, is I mean, it's magical. It's like we're not so caught in the content of our lives and of our minds 
and of our experience. But now, if you can feel that, what's happened is there, you're going, you're looking at a process level. You're going, well, how did it do that? How did I get there? And how do I keep staying there? And, well, wait a minute, I've seen myself when I'm not in it. How did I get out of it, you know? And, and so that the, the potential for insight now is getting huge. You're building this critical mass, you know. And uh, the more that you begin to see your experience in this way, the more we're shifting out of the content of it and looking at it as an object, you know, as something to understand, to examine, to investigate, to evaluate, then the, the more uh, we're going to be able to see what the Buddha is talking about in the Noble Truths, for example, that it's not the stuff that's the problem. It's the, it's the fact that we're, we, we keep buying it. You know, we keep picking it up. That's the problem. You know, but you, this is, this is quite mature practice. You can't, you know, you can't see that until you can go through this process of disengaging long enough to um, begin to look at it in this new way. You know, so that, I don't care what it is, people, situations, our own mind states, our own thoughts and feelings, these do not constitute suffering in and of themselves. You know, and this is a, a, a radical um, experience. I know it was for me. When, the first time that I actually saw that uh, this, it was a guy who was really irritating the heck out of me in my life, you know. And um, I w- every time I would hear him coming, it would be like everything, <laughs> you know, everything would just tighten up and cringe, you know. Because up until that point, it's this person who's the problem, Right. But as you develop the capacity to see your processes, which I was doing, I was at the monastery at the time and practicing very hard with my inner world, you know, um, in a moment, here came the person and I saw arise here, this, you know. And that was like, wow. <laughs> the first time in my life I've actually seen very directly that this tightening that is about to be my suffering <laughs> is happening here. It's coming up here. It's not out there, you know. But I can't see that until I develop some skill in knowing the sensations, feelings, and thoughts in some objective way and tuning in to the processes that create suffering. So, you know, what are these processes? You know, I mean, there's a lot that can be said about it, but I think I'd just like to boil it down to, to two for, for tonight so we can talk about it a little bit. But the, 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 the Buddha talked about the um, experience of sort of longing, you know, going after things that we want and that we don't have, and the experience of, of getting away from things that we don't, have or don't like or, you know, um, are experiencing that, that we're finding unpleasant. So these dominant uh, ways of relating 
These are, these are two dominant ways of relating. We call them greed and hatred, but I think people can get confused and think of greed and hatred as much more coarse uh, experiences than they are. Very, very subtle. You know, it's just, it's this and this. You know, it's, whether it's your thoughts that you're picking up, sensations in your body, in the world, uh, situations that one is, is just not letting be. You know, this, this relating to them with this or with this. You know, so that the process of, of liberating ourselves from suffering is one of finding a way of relating to our experience in a way that allows it to be, allows it to be what it is. The implications of that are huge because that means that, you know, he's saying very clearly, there is difficulty in life. (laughs) There is difficulty, but it doesn't have to become a huge problem. So that if we're not hating it or not wanting something else, then it's free just to be what it is. So that means, you know, I'm sorry to say, but that means you'll you'll have to feel it. <laughs> you know, you'll have to feel the difficulty. But it's it's just life. You know, it's not it's not uh, a big problem. And so what you cultivate through the processes of meditation is the capacity to just be with the jabs and the joys, you know. (laughs) It's like that. It's like this and it's like that and it's like this and it's like that. And so we settle down and receive the totality of our experience. And these ways of relating so as to make a problem out of that are what we get free of, you know, to make a problem either by pushing it away or thinking that we don't have enough of it, something like that. So, you know, gradually, you just the mind just gets fortified. It gets stronger, and it's not caught up in its own trappings. It's not caught up in its own creations. And, you know, meditators experience an increased happiness and, and contentment, and a sense of ease and tranquility, relaxation in their lives. So what what happens through the course of uh, the the months and years of practice is you find that um, the mind just begins to get stronger and stronger and stronger. And and it also gets softer. And I love this. It's like there's this this juxtaposition. It's almost like a masculine-feminine quality uh, coming into complete balance, you know, where, uh, you know, um, I remember Ajahn Chah used to say that the mind, um, the mind is weak in the unawakened state. It's very weak, and it's weak because it just keeps following moods. It just keeps whatever, whatever comes. Yeah, you know, mm, uh, you know, hate this, like that, don't like this, get this, don't have that. You know, it just whatever mood arises, it doesn't, it isn't able to relate to that as a phenomenon. It just picks it up and, and we become it. And so that, you can just feel that. You're just caught in the compulsions, the impulses of habit, of habitual states of being. And so it's, you know, a mind that's in that kind of state is very, very weak. 
it's like it's spread too thin. It's like it doesn't have any substance or stamina of, of its own. You know, it's completely out of control in the face of what is really just a risen phenomenon. <laughs> it's co- but it's completely lost in it. And, you know, Buddha said that we're enslaved to the sensations, feelings, and thoughts. It's like we're in, in the unawakened state, we're enslaved. So, uh, you know, the effort then, what happens through the process of meditation is that that, that tendency disengages. You begin to see things uh, a lot more clearly and from a distance. And yet the irony is, I think what's, what's a paradox in this, is that as we become more detached from a risen phenomenon, you feel it. You feel them more clearly. Sounds like a paradox, doesn't it? But, but just look at that. As you become more detached, let's say it's hatred, you know, hatred arises in the mind, and you are able to see the experience of hatred without what feeds hatred is either getting caught, we relate to it with greed or, greed or hatred. We either get completely caught up in it or we hate that it's there. And then you've got this double tightening going on, you know, hating ourselves for being hateful, you know. So if that's not happening, then what you have is the experience of, it's almost like a wave, you know, an arisen, you know, that the, the full momentary, direct, real experience of hatred. And if there's nothing obstructing that, number one, you'll get a sense of what that is. And from that direct experience, we learn very in a very real way, it's not a pleasant state and not something that I particularly want to engage in. And so the, the tendency to get caught in it weakens just by not obstructing the fact of its having arisen. But the other thing that happens is it's free to move because all of these conditions are impermanent. And so it just it will arise and you may experience it momentarily and it will move through. It may come back, it move through. But gradually over the months and years of practice, one is shifting radically one's relationship with these kinds of states of mind. I understand you're doing, some people are doing a course on the hindrances now, so you're probably looking at this. So you get this sense of um, the, the mind um, becoming um, stronger in relation to a risen phenomenon. But you, you also get a sense of it getting softer. And I find this over the, the years, it's just been a lovely uh, side effect or outcome of practice. It's like, you know, just this, for example, taking this simple practice of um, trying to be settled and relaxed and be with the breath. And um, how many times have you, have you done that? <laughs> and how many times have you lost it, you know? How many, how many times, how many millions of times, you know, do we, do we, oh, wait a minute, you know, what was I doing, you know, and, and uh, realize that we've been lost in something and aren't at all here, you know. Well, just think about what that's got to do to you over time. Just have the stamina to hang in there with meditation, you know. 
over over time, it's like you, you've got to get softer. <laughs> it's like you know, in meditation, my, my teacher used to call it exercises in failure. You know, it's like it, you've got to get softer, and eventually, the the battling, the struggling, the fighting, it, it will release of its own accord. You know, you. We're, we're not we're not by nature warring people. <laughs> it may feel that way sometimes, but it's because of the ignorance. You know, the the, the, nat, the nature is good. The nature, the, the the raw nature is kind. And so this battle in the in the face of uh, of that our true nature, it, it, we just get weary of it. You know, and so you, you you over time, what happens is that the heart just stops getting caught up. It just gets softer and softer and softer. So, the, and the more we come back without judging and without criticizing, you see, I mean, you know, this is part of the meditation story. Just come back without judging, without criticizing. Just come back to the breath, you know, and take that to heart. What's that? What's that doing to you? It's actually training us to to lose lose the hatred, lose the criticism. Lose the judging. It, it doesn't. It has no useful purpose. It has no value. It doesn't affect anything but suffering. You know. So so you lose it. Put it aside, and and we become more and more uh, vulnerable and open, and okay with the things that we see arise in moi. You know. <laughs> I'm really like that. Yeah. I'm, I can be pretty hateful sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. There's jealousy. Yeah, yeah, know that one. Yeah, yeah, okay. You know, so none of the states that arise can can uh, uh, get us going anymore. It's like it's or um, you know get us into that critical, hateful place. So um, you know what what I've experienced over time, and this is something that I came to a. a um, Sometime during this year, I think it—it it, it was really a wonderful awakening. Um, it was sort of just coming to the realization, the full realization, that I'm not awake. <laughs> you know, that I'm not awake, and that I find myself in the somewhat embarrassing situation of being on a whole planet full of people who aren't awake either. <laughs> you know. <laughs> And we're all just kind of bungling around here, <laughs> trying to get our act together, you know. And with that realization, I mean, if we can hold that and find, find some, hold it with some lightness, you know. We, you know, then it's like, I find, it's almost like I, I, I've lowered my standards. You know, I don't expect myself to be doing it better than I am. I'm doing the best I can. That expecting something else is so, creates so much suffering, whether it's of myself or of other people, of world leaders, of world situations. You know, it's like, you know, we're, we're out to lunch, you know. You, you can't expect it. All you can do is keep practicing and keep endeavoring to wake up and be an example for other people as well. And in, in our practice, by practicing well, it serves as that. And it affects tremendous uh, outcomes. 
Just endeavor to to be peaceful. You know, instead of fighting for peace all the time, that kind of thing. You know, it's a very dramatic difference. I think the Buddhist teachings are an invitation to be peaceful, to be peaceful people. And that's huge. Find out what that means and endeavor to accomplish that through our meditation practice. So uh, I find that the, the system then, over time, it's like one of the biggest impediments for, for me in my own meditation practice has been trying to get somewhere, you know, trying to attain some kind of goal, trying to get to where the meditation practice takes me. And, and what I've learned o- over the months and years of practice is that I don't have to worry about that. That it, 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 all that we have to do is pay attention. And everything that needs to happen will happen from that. And so, like, the system gets tweaked, but it happens out of mindfulness. You know, it doesn't happen out of me, (laughs) who thinks she knows where she needs to be and what she needs to do. You know, it it just happens out of being here, not there, here. (laughs) Being here for the experience and letting the direct experience of this moment um, have have its moment. And what I need to know, what needs to happen, will happen from that. I find that a tremendous relief. <laughs> don't you? It's like, oh, oh, I don't have to get free. <laughs> Freedom happens through mindfulness, through paying attention. Can you feel it? It's a very, very, very rich, subtle aspect or approach that the Buddha is offering us. So let's let's see if you have a few questions. Yes. Yes. Um, perhaps I intellectualize this too much, but uh-huh. I, I find a couple of things about Buddhism that I have a hard time explaining to friends of mine, specifically in terms of, of dispassion or you know detachment. Yeah. And when I hear, you know, the fact, I mean, and I've been able to, in a couple instances, say, oh, this is what anger is, this is what hatred is, and being able to step away from it and observe it, yeah. um, that's all well and good. But I guess I'm still the unawakened human that says, you know, that's not right, and I want to fix that. Yeah. Or, uh, uh, Wait a sec, you know, why'd you do that to my son? Or, you know, mm. what the heck is Bush? I mean, I, I, I find that, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, I yeah. find that then I say, well, gee, are, are we as, as students of a practice of peace doing nothing? Because we're supposed to be just unattached and, and dispassionate. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it's a, and it's a great question. Um, and it, it comes down to getting a clear sense of what it is that we're talking about when we're saying detachment or non-attachment. You know, because it's not, it's not in action. In fact, it's incredibly active. <laughs> um, 
look at it like like say let's use the example that you gave of anger the the non-attachment has to do with it's quite subtle it has to do with being able to be in a position in relation to that that knows anger and doesn't get caught up in it and doesn't hate that it's there the attachment is in those in that way of relating right so that so that what you're managing through that is the way the state of mind the state of being out of which you will act so it doesn't mean that you don't go to anti-war rallies or write letters to bush or deal with people who are harming your son you know it doesn't mean you don't do that but what buddhism endeavors to affect is the quality of heart with which you'll do that and that's where it, it so it's not it's not not acting but it's, it's acting reacting. it's acting with a yeah it's not it's not automatically acting out of arisen states which you can't trust there you know this is karma this is and and most of it unwholesome you know it's like to to react out of hatred uh to things that arise is an unwholesome unskillful response right so that how you're going to get in there what you know if there isn't any practice if there isn't any effort to approach that in a new way then one is going to go about dealing with things through violent reactive patterns so you're endeavoring to to uh try a new strategy You're told she should be, you know, passionate about. Well, like I think maybe maybe what you might be alluding to is like um I think some people think that the practice it means uh detaching from pleasure as well, detaching from enjoyment. And actually it doesn't mean that. It 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 actually I think you'll find um as uh, you mature in practice that um you're a lot happier and that pleasant experiences are felt are infinitely more pleasant <laughs> you know and and uh uh but the thing is uh, you you're aware that they're impermanent and so the 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 tendency to cling to them which actually interrupts their flow is what you're giving up so I like to put that out as a carrot, you know, because if you're giving up that tendency to react in a way that disrupts it, you're actually going to feel pleasure more. Yeah. What else? Yeah. from this tree tastes much better than the apples from that tree. Therefore, I'm going to go to this tree more often. 
And when we're sitting, I don't want the meditation I'm having today. I want the meditation I had two days ago. I was much better. Yeah. So there is that. There's a sense of grasping at it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's what I was talking about, holding it conceptually. And we have a lot of ideas about practice. We have a lot of ideas about what we should be feeling, what it should be affecting. And they're some of the biggest impediments to actually practicing and getting free. Because practice isn't about getting to some state that is better than the state that we're in. I'm sorry to say. (laughs) It's about waking up to the state that we're in. So that may not be pleasant. It, it may be that this meditation isn't as good, isn't as good as the other one, isn't as pleasant as the other one. But it's real. So how how are you going to open to? How are you going to have insight into dukkha? <laughs> it took me a while to realize that insight into dukkha wasn't going to be a pleasant. <laughs> But it's a powerful insight. It's like a little tap on the shoulder that says, you know, oh, by the way, life has both pleasure and pain. You know? It sounds so, it sounds so obvious, but we do not get that. Right? So meditations will be pleasant and unpleasant. And the, the objective of meditation is to be with things as they are. And what's beautiful about it is, though, just to give you another little carrot, is that, okay, if you can be with things as, you cultivate the capacity to be with things as they are, whether they're pleasant or not, what you discover is that that state is very, very nice. You've actually gotten deeper, you're actually under this place that doesn't like it when it's this way. Can you feel that? It's like you're like, oh, I see. There's this little bit of me that doesn't like it when it's that way. Now, but but where are you right then? It's like, oh, yeah. I, I notice I don't like it when it's this way. I like it when it's that way, but I don't like it when it's that way. And that's actually a very, at least neutral state, if not even mildly pleasant <laughs> right and that's what that's what we're endeavoring to affect being with things from that place it's subtle isn't it yeah okay yeah. Yes. Mm. Um, just just now when we were sitting I experienced that settling that, we, that you were just talking about and um, for me, I could feel that in my heart, just in the past few days, especially, so much fear coming up and mm-hmm. surrounding different aspects of my life that I'm actually more aware of. But it's like you say, it comes up and being aware that, that it's there and then letting that energy go like a wave so because you know it's impermanent and it's mm-hmm. not going to stay. It's, and this evening I felt that almost like ribbons falling away from mm-hmm. the heart, that kind of. Mm-hmm. Settling, but it's taken me the past few days, if not the past five years, of of practice to actually see this process. Yes. And um, and I, I have trust in the process, and I have faith in it. 
doesn't mean I don't get caught up with those oh, yeah. that, that arise, but with the awareness. But um, I know there's maybe no real answer to the question, but I guess is there any way to let go quicker than having to, you know, it's, I know, I know it's, it's that I do trust yeah. it, but it's, yeah. it's so nice when it, that letting go happens. But what makes us ho- hold on for whatever length that process takes before you actually feel that letting, letting go? Do you have to see a more subtle aspect of it or to let that that energy keep on? I, I think it kind of reaches a critical mass. Yeah. You know, it, you, you just do it enough and fail to do it enough. You know, we really have to pay attention to both of those. And, and that's important. Like, pay attention in a neutral way to, like, the, this time that you're expressing now where there's a little bit of, uh, you know, why can't it go quicker, you know? Pay, pay attention to how that feels. And pay attention to the times when you release easily and you feel the delight of that. Because both of those will be instrumental in leaning the heart. It's like the, the heart just leans. It, it, it's almost like you're using the system to get out of the system. You're using pleasure and the experience of th- pleasure and pain to free the heart. Because skillful states are pleasant. Unskillful states are unpleasant. And if you are there for the experience of those, there will be a natural leaning. And the more you can, all I can say is the more that you can actually just be there in a neutral way with what has come up, it'll do its magic. Yeah. But it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Mm. No, it sounds great. Yes, it is. Yeah. So what do you do? You you just you keep working at it. It's not. I, I didn't. Don't 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 uh, want to pretend that it's easy. The um, you have to have a healthy respect for the force of karmic patterns. You know, they, they come in like tidal waves, don't they? Whoa, you know, you, sometimes you can't even get any footing at all in relation to what arises in the mind and heart. And that has to be said. And so, I mean, my teacher used to say, I was asking him pretty much the same question one time, and, and he said, you know, it has to be said that sometimes you just have to wait it out. Wait it out. Wait it out. Yeah. And if you can feel that, in that waiting it out, you're actually cultivating or experiencing uh, a certain peace. It's patience. Patience is peace. It really is. It's the same root, comes from the same root word. You know, yeah, you know, I just uh, seem to be linked to the 
Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, I understand that you know you said earlier that could be easier just to wait things out and just like work mm-hmm. and into it and let things happen by itself. Yeah. But sometimes in reality, in the real world, it's not how it's supposed to be. Well, that's that's just our idea of what the real world is. That's just our notion. That that's just an overlay. You know, I, I'll give you a story. One time, one of the one of the nuns was telling me um, um, that uh, being a nun, she has the um, she has the good fortune of being in a relation in relationship with a community of people that um, she's going to be with for the rest of her life, probably. And so when things come up, that when they do things that drive each other nuts, you know, um, they have the good fortune of just being able to say, well, mm, I guess we're going to get to that next year. You know, or, you know, it, it may take five or seven years for that uh, thing that we do to each other to soften or to flatten out. And uh, that'll be good. That'll be good, you know. <laughs> and I don't know. For me, it just put a whole new. It's like, what's the hurry? You know, it's it's gonna. It's only gonna happen in its own time anyway. And what's gonna determine how it shifts is the quality of our presence of mind, our ease, relaxation, and awareness. And if we're hating it. They aren't going to be there. So it's only like, you know, um, uh, getting in your own way to have an attitude like that towards it. It doesn't, I mean, as strategies, it, it, they don't, things like the five hindrances don't make sense. They don't work. You know, hating it, it doesn't work. Oh, let me just hate it. That'll get me. That'll get me free. You know. That'll that'll ease my pain. <laughs> it's like what? You understand the fact that you try to be peace, peace with yourself by you know trying to make let things happen, but in reality, in society, I don't think that it fits very well. Right, right. But you have to. I think with this practice, you have to be willing to take on society. I mean, you have to be willing to question some of the um, values and the notions that it sets up. I mean, maybe maybe there's an example that I'm I'm not answering your question appropriately for. There might be something that, yeah, we do have to deal in the conventional world. But there's a lot of things that we take for granted as uh, real um, that are just ideas, social Values or mores that, uh, in reality, uh, don't have substance. They're ultimately true. Like I have to do this by next Friday. There's no ultimate truth in that. You know, that that kind of thing. The mind, the, the mind will get caught on those very quickly. You know, it's like how many times have you made a have you made a list of things that you have to do by the end of the day, and then driven yourself crazy to accomplish it not realizing that you just made that up. <laughs> you know? So that's what I mean by you have to take those kinds of things on. Yeah, you can't you can't take the made that up, but you know there's a few things that need to be done. I mean if it's not done, I mean you will be punished by the society. Right. Right. 
Right. You know, it's just not like a... Yeah. You're trying to be at peace and resolve everything. I mean, to be at yes. peace. Yes, yes. That when you get out in society, you meet with other people in the society world. Exactly. Then, yeah. No, and, and you can't... Maybe we could talk a real a real example, but um, the uh, I, I know what you're saying, and, and yes, of course, you have to deal with. Um, it's kind of like the render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. You know, there's, uh, Ajahn Chah would would say something very similar to that. There's conventional reality, and uh, there's ultimate reality. And as a meditator, you're endeavoring to uh, affect your understanding at that ultimate level, but you're still a human being interacting in society, and there will be things at a conventional level that you you do and need to do. Yeah. Yeah, because you sometimes try to rely so much on the ultimate reality, and you, know, you just got one is something that happened, and you just yeah. use and use and use, and something happens. Yeah, yeah. 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 So how do you deal with that? I mean, I know you want to say patience, but I mean. Well, but you can you can also (laughs) you can also stop wanting it to happen. Excuse me. You can also stop wanting it to happen. Yeah. That's the honest one. Yeah. So, uh, oh yes, one one more, and then I I don't want to hold people over time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just so extraordinary, <laughs> and I've noticed that the, the only the only change I can see is that I'm now doing that with smaller things, with smaller things, mm-hmm. that the really big things in life, but are smaller things. And the only thing that seems to contribute to the process is just paying more attention. Mm-hmm. If I pay, it, somehow it's as though. It, um, you, you just get fed up with yourself and things just kind of sag of their own weight after you've paid enough yeah. attention over enough time. That's, that's really true, yeah. I find uh, a lot of the, the shifts um, that I've seen in my own practice are just that. It's like you just get sick of hearing yourself whine and complain. <laughs> and that, at, at some level, you, you're feeling the pain of doing that. And if you can do that with, uh, uh, without any view, just actually just do, feel the pain of that without wishing it wasn't that way or wanting it some other way, but feel the pain of that, that's right where you want to be. And that the shift comes out of that. Right? So that, that's what you're describing. Yeah. Lovely. So I'm, I'm happy to sit, stick around for a little bit if people have some questions. Um, but uh, our time is up, and I don't want to uh, hold you longer than we need to. So thank you for your attention. Thank you for your practice and time. Look forward to seeing you again. <laughs>